Okay. Hi, folks. The podcast is on purpose. Um, we are your hosts. I'm Dr. John Duffy, and with me is Chicago Tribune columnist. And what is the award you just won, Heidi Stevens? Oh, putting me on the spot. Yes. But I, but I appreciate that. Um, the award I just won is called the Ann Keegan Award for Distinguished Journalism. Ann Keegan was a Tribune writer who um, kind of made a name for herself writing stories about ordinary people, although I hate that word because it sounds as though they're not special. Um, Extraordinary people who are not lauded typically, maybe. Right. People who don't have agents, people who aren't politicians, people who aren't celebrities, but whose stories help us better understand each other and our communities and our neighbors. And so each year, um, the Chicago Headline Club gives an award to one journalist in um, Illinois or Northwest Indiana who's writing honors that Legacy, and uh, Friday night they gave it to me. Congratulations! Thank you. So, that, seems, that seems like a perfect award for you to win. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I try with these columns that I write to make them sort of half my um, opinion and you know own personal life anecdotes and rants sometimes, <laughs> um, <laughs> and the other half storytelling, right. right, about the people who we should know more about and better understand and get to know. And so it was really, um, really quite an honor. I can tell. And that, uh, and yet uh, I think most people, I read uh, some comments on things, people feel like you deserve that. Thank for you. Sure. And I feel like you deserve that. Thank you. So congratulations. That's I appreciate awesome. that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So I'm also the 18th most powerful woman in Chicago media. Yes, the same, you are. <laughs> the same day. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I'm a little surprised you haven't brought it up yet. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I've, I've been thinking about the other 17 and how we're going to knock them out. I have um, set up some arm wrestling matches. <laughs> I'm going to take out Mary Schmeek first. I would go for Mary. And uh, Susanna Holman is next. She's the publisher of Chicago. She thinks. She's the publisher of Chicago Magazine. <laughs> when I'm done. Yeah, just give it, give me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that made me laugh. 18th most powerful. 18th most powerful. Yeah. That's yeah. no small so, thing. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, there are a few less powerful and a few more. Our, our mutual friend, Bella Gandhi, really uh, suggested that 18 was the right number. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. That's the most powerful spot to yeah. be in. There's some sweet spot, like in the numerology or something, that suggests you're in the right spot. Bella is magic at- <laughs> <laughs> making you feel good about whatever is happening in this your life. This is true. Yeah, this she's is lovely. true. So congratulations on both things, Thank winning you. the Ann Keegan Award and being the 18th <laughs> most powerful woman in Chicago yes, journalism. that's right. And from now on, you're going to have to go through my agent to oh, damn it. set up these I knew there'd be a thing. <laughs> is that why all the green M&Ms are gone from this <laughs> bowl right, right here? <laughs> that's right. I washed my face in Evian this morning. <laughs> yeah, the green room list has is, is extraordinarily long now. Yep. <laughs> As it will be. <laughs> all right. Let's not have all this go to your head. You're just okay. a podcast host here. I know. I know. All right. And, and we have so much to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. We have so much. And I want to start, if it's okay with you, with Alyssa Milano's call for a sex strike. Yeah. Okay. Are you cool a talking great, about this? I, I, I'm cool talking about it. I think it's a fabulous idea. The sex strike or talking about it? Talking about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I think the sex strike is a ridiculously terrible idea. Talk talk to me about why you believe this. Okay. So for background, in case anyone doesn't follow Alyssa Milano's tweets, um, you know, with a voracious hunger <laughs> that some of us do, um, <laughs> she on Friday tweeted that, you know, 
in light of the abortion legislation that's being you know voted on and some states already passed, um, we should, until we have full ownership of our bodies and our reproductive rights, we should go, we being women. We being women specifically, yes. Specifically women should go on a sex strike. We should refuse to have sex until we have full bodily autonomy and full reproductive rights. So, um, I mean, my first problem is like, I don't know what that looks like. I mean, that really kind of is indefinite. Like, yeah. so we're just never having sex again. I'm right. pretty sure. How do we decide when that's actually established? When, right? yeah. What's the measure for full bodily autonomy? I'm not certain. Did, like, would the Georgia law being overturned be enough or would all the other states that are about to vote but there's an awful lot Rejecting, of sex not being had in the meantime. In the meantime, none of us are allowed to have sex, according to her. She, right. she called for a sex strike and she said, join me. So she's on one, apparently. Right. Fine. I'm not <laughs> going to join her. And here's what bothers me about her even calling for that, because I think that, you know, it's not a new thing, right? It's, you know, Lysistrata is this ancient Greek yes. you know, play that this is all based on. And then Chirac was, you know women on the South Side withholding sex till we curb violence. So not a completely new idea. It's rooted in such old thinking, though, and I just hate this idea that sex is this thing that men crave and enjoy and get to do and we sort of endure it. Just a task for women, it's right? It's a task. A, yeah, it's a yeah. lifely task. Right. Yeah. We'll hang on to it. We'll keep it in our back pocket. When our man has been good, we'll dole it out like a little dog treat. Right. Um, we certainly won't enjoy it, so we certainly no, don't mind missing out on it if we need to. We'll, you know, we'll just withhold it. Right. Um, until... It makes no difference to women whether they're striking and having sex or not. Exactly. Right. So it, Just assume not, I think is Just is assume not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because um, it's really for men, yeah. sex. Yeah. Um, and so I hate anything that perpetuates that idea. I hate that young women are getting yet another dose of that messaging, mm-hmm. that they're in charge of putting the brakes on male sexual appetites, right? right? Let's not even talk about theirs. Let's just keep talking about men and their desires and what you as a young woman should do with that desire. You it, have to be both fun and open, but not slutty. You yep. have to, right? And, oh, yeah. There's no lane that seems to work. And working with young women, I, I find that there's a little confusion about this. Like, you know, how am I supposed to be? How you know? am I supposed to be? Yeah. 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 How am I supposed to be around men, around guys? You know, like, and it's... I think it's a real point of confusion. I think it's also a point of confusion among men. It's got to be. Yeah. How could it not be to have it framed as this thing that, like, you want and and young women and, and any age women don't really want, but if you wear them down enough, they will eventually give it to you. Right. So right. then if you hear no, are you hearing no, not yet, keep pushing because right, I have right. to look like I don't want to? Or are you actually hearing no? That should not be a question that has to enter into any young man's mind. When exactly. he hears no, he should hear no. Yeah. And when he hears yes, he should hear yes. And I hate it that we're doing more to perpetuate this nonsense of like, well, maybe, you know, maybe she said no because women don't really like sex or she knows she's not supposed to like sex. So she said no, but she means yeah. Like all of this stuff 
gets conjured up in my head when I hear someone like Alyssa Milano, who, you know, really is an advocate for girls and women and helped Me Too go viral. When I hear her call for a sex strike, it's like, you're kidding me, not you. No, I, I totally agree. And I actually... um I follow her with a, a, a fever because I think she's like usually she's one of my kind of lodestars. I, I, she's one of the few people I think like, oh, I, I'm never going to disagree with Alyssa Milano, honestly. Yeah. And this time I was like, wait a minute, what? Like, are you seriously calling for this like ancient foolish idea? Ancient. And the messaging for men and women both right. is ridiculous. For women, it's like. You you have this commodity, right? Yeah. You have to decide how you're going to navigate that, you know, and, and and withholding, that's your that's your only power, right? Right, which is a nightmare, right? It's a terrible message, and for men and boys, it's like you know, you're this voracious wolf who is just trying to get sex from women, yeah, and um, you know, uh, and and so <laughs> somehow I was entertaining this idea of a, a, a man in either the Georgia or Alabama legislature kind of like, you know, oh, no, now, now, wait a minute, honey. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> before you go on the sex trip, you, you can have your abortions. You win. Like, you know, how, how do we expect this to go? You I know? can't like, even. What kind of yeah. 1950s, like, insanity are we looking for here? Right, right. It's like, which one of the framers, apparently their wife said, don't forget the ladies when you're writing the Constitution. I don't know my history well enough to remember. It was like Dolly Madison or yeah, something, something, right? Like that. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, are we pretending that this is like the women are going to send their husbands off to the legislature and right. be like, now there's no sex tonight if you sign that abortion bill. It's just <laughs> laughable. It is literally laughable. And I think we're only laughing because it's kind of like, oh, well, we've hit another absurd point here. But this one, I, for th- this one touches both of us, I think, professionally yeah. because you you interview Young men and women a lot. I yep. think that, and um, and I do as well in yeah. my own way. And um, and I'm raising a young woman and a young man. Yes, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's no small thing, right? right? The messaging is really important here, and the idea of a sex strike seems so tone deaf and backwards. Yeah. And and you probably read what I have about like, well, okay, so. 10 to 15% of the population isn't even straight. So what role can they play in all of this? Like, do they get any voice in this at all, right? Yeah. So what about women who have sex with other women? Right. What are they supposed to do? Just sit this one out because they don't have any power to change the, you know, reproductive rights legislation that we're all discussing? I I, I just don't get it. And for for women, the idea... what, What I'm surprised she's endorsing is the idea that we have no voice other than this. Yeah. It, you, right. it, it's really an absurdity and it's insulting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, this might be a stretch, but but I, I did find myself thinking about our conversation earlier about the Notre Dame leggings mom. I was just thinking about this. Right? Yes. Because it's like, again, it sets, you know, the men and women up as sort of like um, competitors or, or even enemies a little bit. Enemies. Like, yeah, like trying to, you know, wear the other one down to kind of come around it. Like there's a winner and a loser, I guess. Yep. Versus like allies who really want the same thing. And um yes, absolutely. And and you think about what it says about relationships and sex and attraction. Like, you know, one I remember in your column about that, it said I think you said something along the lines of, "Well, yeah, your boys, what if they are turned on by right. that?" You're like, "Isn't that 
part of why we're all here. Isn't I mean, that, that what we need to keep <laughs> the population? And I mean, you actually need for young men to feel attracted to young women. Right. And then you need them both to decide to act on it. Otherwise, there are no humans. And and I can imagine being, you know, a Notre Dame student right now thinking like, okay, is attraction a bad thing right. here? Like, you know, whether you're male or female. Right. Like you're think, you must be thinking a little bit of, of a pause like – Maybe we should just abstain. Maybe this shouldn't even happen, right? Yeah. You know, even connecting right. in any kind of sexual way. Certainly seems... I'm letting someone down yeah. if I feel desire or, God forbid, act on that desire. Yeah. Maybe my whole gender. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and probably God. Yeah. Plus my mom. Having having gone to that school, yes, God is disappointed <laughs> <Yeah>. already. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're unpacking and God's already right. down on you. The frogs are about to rain <laughs> down and the locusts are on their way. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's bad. It's bad. Um, so, okay, we're on the same page about that. I think we're on the same page about that. I don't know. If anybody has a thought contrary to this, I'd be really interested to hear it. Yeah, you know, like same. I haven't heard her do a whole lot of defending it. She doubled down, yeah, right? Right. Yeah. So it started as a tweet and then she got a bunch of shit from people as she should have uh, on both sides. I mean, actually, she didn't get shit from conservatives. They were like, yeah, great idea. That, yeah, that no I did sex. not see coming. But then, the conservatives uh, were like, you know, go. Yeah. yeah. Finally, you're on our side. Right. Push their hand and, you know, eventually... We're going to ban abortion somehow across yeah. the land. Yeah, if it starts with not having sex, that's great. And then progressives were like, you know, um, hey, this is not actually how you reverse bad legislation. Like, it would be better to vote, yeah. run for office, support, you know, strong female candidates. Right. Um, these are some of the things you could do that would be actually more effective than a sex strike. Alyssa. Um, <laughs> but then she wrote uh, a CNN op-ed doubling yes. down. Yes. So, yeah, she's uh, she's kind of determined to make this happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, you and I aren't sitting here talking about it as, as a in, reality. in a place of fear, like, oh, God. Um, it's just more like frustration that, you know, this would be trotted out as some sort of, you know, talking point discussion starter it's like no can we not yeah can we not keep framing sex like that and i and i kind of wish that somebody with a platform that is that is so impressive do you could, not know could, that could, i'm the could, could back 18th off of that. most powerful woman in chicago journalism? i forgot i was talking to somebody with that I, platform I, that is an impressive platform <laughs> my apologies your majesty <laughs> I'm not even sure what to call you anymore. I know that there's a title for this. You're 18. Let me wait until I knock a couple people off their their pedestals and then we'll come with the title. Okay. Anyway, someone with an impressive platform, you were saying? Somebody with an impressive platform. You might be able to relate to this, Heidi. Uh, Maybe you can answer this directly. Can't back off and say, oh, you know what? On second thought, you know what I mean? Yes. I hear the backlash. Yeah. Good point. I didn't think this through very well. Yes. It was a it was a reactive statement because I feel so strongly about this issue. Honestly, she would have had me there. You know what I mean? Like totally. easily would have had me there. Totally. You know, the double down is I think where I was kind of like, ah. The God. double down is what kills them. It kind of does, Every right? time. Yeah. I have thought that about so many Me Too guys, you know, even Bill Clinton. I, I could name a dozen right now where they're accused of something disgusting and they did it. And either they deny it or their apology is so tone deaf. And I'm just dying for somebody to be like, I did do that. It's, I have... No excuses. All I can do is do better going forward, be as honest and open as I can be so that other people can learn from my mistakes. 
Like, I've yeah. changed. I was an idiot back then. I'm getting smarter. I'm not smart enough yet, but I'm working on it. Like, some, I'm just dying for one of those. And you bring, you, you uh, in the margins, you bring up Bill Clinton. Um, but he is, so recently he comes up after, after publishing a god awful novel. Yeah. Which I don't recommend. <laughs> I, I Did you read it? I bought it because I don't know why. And I started it and then I realized, oh, this is, formulaic of course yeah. this is bad i'll never never get this time back <laughs> so it's one of the few books in my life that i've decided you know no yeah no this is done not gonna i'm not even gonna i'm not venturing in but during the tour for the book you probably saw this where he was like kind of like hedging on like whether what he did was a bad thing or not i you know? know and it's like dude you have this opportunity here right. to absolutely Come clean. Monica Lewinsky is a hero right now. You right. know what I mean? And you may as well join her in that, you right. know, and say, yes, reprehensible what I did. This a uh, horrible abuse of power. Yeah. And um, and I so apologize. And and say her name. You right. know what I mean? Like actually say her name, man. And read the room. Exactly. Read the room and read your if nothing else, because you're an egomaniac, read your own legacy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. A hundred percent. And your wife's. Yes. I mean, I feel like he cost, like, now we're going to go on a tangent. But I, I know. Do, what are we doing? I feel like he cost Al Gore the presidency and then his wife the presidency. And he's still sitting up there like, oh, yes, I wrote a novel. It's like, oh, my God. Just apologize to Monica. Yeah, come on. Yes. It would be so and your e- wife and your daughter and the country yes. and the world because you, in effect, gave us Trump. Okay. Amen. All okay. Right. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so uh, it's probably time to turn the corner a little bit. I think bit. we should. Okay. Yeah, my blood pressure is getting a little high. Seriously, right? Yeah. Um, you wrote a piece recently about relationships, like longstanding relationships. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So this new book is coming out next week called Marriageology. It's by the um, Time Magazine relationship beat reporter. She spent a decade writing about relationships, interviewing, you know, sociology professors, psychology professors, family therapists, sex therapists, money managers, anybody you can imagine whose work, you know, dabbles in couplehood, right? And not to toot my own horn, Heidi, okay. but uh, I have been cited in that uh, more than once in the relationship <laughs> article in time. Um, I, I get that you're the 18th most powerful woman in Illinois, but uh, when the rankings for men come out, I just uh, want you to be aware. <laughs> you're going to be like 15, aren't you? Yeah. Anything higher than 18, we're going to be talking about it. Right. Well, our, our agents actually are going to be talking to each other about it because we're, we're going to be too important to actually directly talk to one another. I, I am certain that you are on a very powerful powerful list somewhere uh-huh, and I, sure. will, I will read it soon and then I'll tweet it. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> this book is really good. It's called Marriageology. And the part I would love to talk to you about is, okay, so here's the background of the book is she took the six fault lines that she contends can implode a marriage. And each of them starts with an F. So they're all F words, which is funny. Yeah. Um, but they're like family, finances, fooling around, finding help, meaning going to a couples counselor. Yeah. Um, the family one, she talks about the importance of, and this is not just her opinion. This is well-researched. This is, you know, pouring over peer-reviewed journal articles and yep. looking at data patterns and that that couples who don't put their kids above the happiness of their marriage and the time and energy devoted to their marriage do better right? than the couples who are like kids 
Kids first. first. Kids at all costs. We'll, we'll get back to our marriage we'll after 26 ba- yeah. years. Eventually, yeah. they'll be out of the house, and then we can get to know each other again. Yeah. For now, it's all kids all the time. Yep. We don't take vacations without the kids. We barely do date night. We don't have sex because we've got kids in the house. Like, yep. all these things. And then, you know, they'll they'll leave, and then we'll rekindle it. And I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll, I, I think there is a belief amongst couples I've worked with, like, when we get back to it, it will be fine. We can fine. pick up where we left off. Yeah, I liked him 20 years ago. I'll probably yeah. like him 20 years from now. Right. Um, and so couples who reject that notion and and treat parenting as more of a team endeavor. Like she had, she quoted this one woman who said um, she and her husband think of parenting as like um, one of them robs the bank and the other one drives the getaway car. <laughs> Oh, God. I love. <laughs> That's so good. Isn't that good? Yes. <laughs> um, it's like we are in this thing together and it might suck or it might make us billionaires. <laughs> but and It does suggest something about parenting, right? I mean, you know, like sometimes you, you got to put one over. You right. Gotta, <laughs> right. And we're going to go down together. If we go down. Yes. Yeah. Right. I loved that. So anyway, she said couples like that, you know, fare much better. Statistically speaking, again, this is not just her, you know, theory. This is, you know, she's got research. Yes. The book is filled with science. Um, And so I just that really stood out to me because I think it can be so tempting, especially when you're in the thick of parenting, you know, when your kids are like under. Actually, I'm not even going to say that. I was going to say under high school age, but high school is tremendously stressful, especially with, you know, college applications and scholarships and team sports and all of it. So I'm going to say before they head off to whatever they're doing post high school. Um, if you're in the thick of those ages, it can be really tempting. And actually, it can feel like, you know, the culture kind of even rewards you for doing it this way. For it sure. can feel like your kids need to be, should be, and need to be everything. Yep. They need to trump your career, your marriage, your friendships, your health. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're not being a very good parent. And and we parenting therapists and experts and researchers, I think we do the disservice to parents and relationships by um, barraging people with our thoughts about how they ought to parent. And it seems like it's so labor-intensive. So labor-intensive. When, in fact, it probably doesn't have to be Mm all-consuming. And it's probably really good for the kids to know, well, mom and dad are out on date night. That's a good thing, right? You know, like, we'll be okay. We'll figure it out on our own. And it's good to see a nice relationship modeled, right? Not that they're going to say those words, but that's going to be— Or even have it as a conscious thought, but it's maybe a subconscious thought. Right. Right. And it's something they can carry with them. There's a little modeling going on about like how to treat each other and that, yeah. you know, like this is a really important relationship. And for you, this is going to be an important relationship. And this is how you treat people of the opposite sex, period. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're with someone who's not treating you this way, don't stick around. Yep. You know, yeah. and if you start treating someone in a way that's not this healthy, happy way, change. Yeah. No, I love the idea of, first of all, just attending to marriage. We do so much work in my field around parenting. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like, oh, for this 20, 25, 28 years of our lives, this has got to be our thing, our main primary soul thing. It's important. It's really important, but it can't be all-encompassing. And you have to give your relationship a lot of play. So I I worked with a guy recently. I'm working with a couple, but the guy said – yeah, the work of marriage is just brutal. 
and he called it the work of marriage. Wow. And, and um, brutal. And brutal. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really, really hard. Yeah. And I'm never sure exactly what you need or exactly how, how to make you happy. And what makes you happy doesn't always make me happy. And I kind of feel like, and, there, and there's a marriage researcher named John Gottman who's probably shown up in that relationship article more than anybody I would imagine. Yeah, he's in the book. Um, yeah, and um, and he would say, oh yeah, you know, you, you've got to you've got to spend time, a lot of time on this relationship. So it's he would say it's not work. It's just attention. It's yeah. just it's just consideration. Uh, it's, and sometimes that's just a moment. You yep. know what I mean? Of like looking each other in the eye yep. and, and, uh, and a hug and a kiss and sex once in a while and talking about something other than parenting. Yep. You know, which I, I work with some couples who will like commit. So I get them to finally commit to date night. And I'll be like, so tell me, how did it go? Yeah. It's like, well, we got a schedule and we talked about when Lucas has soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's not date that's right. That's not a, a date. You yeah. would have turned down date two yes. if the PowerPoint that was presentation in your twenties. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I you mean, would never come back. You to would that never person. come back. Like no. he talked about his schedule a lot. <laughs> right. Um, I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, not so hot. It wasn't great. It wasn't hot. Mm. So there was a quote in the book. She said, "I wanted to point this out because I, I love this." She said, "This is the marriageology author with any." habitual behavior, the easiest way to change it is to start small. Making a few slight tweaks to the way you treat your spouse can have a huge payoff, which I think is the point you're making. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it doesn't have to be a ton of work and it doesn't have to be brutal. It can be small. Yep. She talks about um, looking for a way each day, looking for something each day that you can thank your spouse for. Thank you for making dinner. Thank yeah. you for starting the fire. Thank yeah. you for putting gas in my car. Um, and you know, it could be tempting to be like, well, she should she should just be doing those things, or he should just be doing those things. Why do I have to thank the person? But it's like, just start small. Yeah. Just it's a tiny tweak in and how you're of, treating the other and it person. It softens the relationship a little bit, right? Because I think when we're in the midst of parenting, things feel tough and hard and um, and it doesn't feel like you've got a partner all the time, you know, and that sometimes that thank you is all it takes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be a little cryptic here, but I, I'm working with a cu uh, several couples right now, but there are a couple of them where there's this running theme where um, they're having this kind of major debate about, well, a couple times it's money. Okay. Uh, money is a big thing between couples, right? You know, yep. there's a big insecurity around that. She actually thinks it's the biggest thing. It's. I think it yeah. is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, because there's so much anxiety around it. And um, so uh, husband and wife are arguing and debating. And at one point she just says, Thank you for hearing. Thank you for listening to me. Mm. And it was kind of right at the end of the session. And he's like, well, we haven't resolved anything yet. So let's go. You know, we got to finish this because Duffy's almost done. You yeah. know, and, uh, and she said, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Because yeah. all I needed to do was know that you understood my point of view. That's yeah. it. You wow. know, like I'm good now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like what happens next? We'll figure that out. Yeah. As long as we continue that, if we can hold that tenor around the whole thing, I think we're okay. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's we, don't, great. we don't have to fix it right now. You know, I just have to know that we're in a conversation, right, and not a debate and an argument, right. Yeah. And actually, how often do you just go days or weeks or longer without having much of a conversation because you're so invested in the parenting piece? Yep. You know? All the time. Yeah. And I, um, I was telling you before we started recording, and I think you recognize this too. 
I know an uncanny number of couples who really have put off their marriage until after kids are, and we were kind of joking, like through grade school? No. No. No, it's got to be through high school because high school is super stressful. Right. And honestly, um, sometimes when kids are away at college, I'm working with a couple right now. Their kids are effectively grown and flown in the way that we think of them, and yet they're still consumed with like, are they doing okay there? Yeah. You know, are they do are they taking Adderall? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> when they're not <laughs> right. supposed to. Um, I'm really worried about them, and so still their discussions revolve around the kids, and that, and that's okay sometimes. Yeah. You know, but also there is this liberty of like. We can spend some time together, but that has to happen all the way through. I think it's got to be so hard to start it back up after years off. You really are starting over. And if you have taken a break from it, you're probably starting from a point of not not a, a zero-sum situation, but animosity. You're probably starting from a point where you've had years to resent the fact that he or she is not there for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So it's not, it's not like neutral and we'll wait 20 years. It's more like things devolve over the course of 20 years. Right. Yeah. And whatever intimacy you're craving, and I don't necessarily mean sexual, just, you know, the intimacy intimacy of feeling known and, and yeah. having someone to turn to with your deepest fears and joys and triumphs like you're you're probably getting that from somebody else unfortunately i think that happens a lot yeah, yeah. and not necessarily even an affair but like you're just you know you're really into your your friends or right. you know your coworkers or whatever but like it's it's not to say that you stop needing that stuff when you have kids it's that you know you just maybe are finding it from someone who's not your partner and Yes. And and as a side note, right. So you mentioned the not an affair, but kind of an affair thing. Um, you know, I'm working with a lot of couples who will find somebody to talk to, somebody the opposite sex usually, um, either online, mm-hmm. you know, somebody they knew from Facebook, you know, knew a long time ago. And though there's no sexual contact or anything, you can feel that there's been a breach yep. in their relationship, right? And and this this massive trust thing. And that is a real hard ghost to chase down, especially when when there hasn't been physical contact. Yeah. Um, I think people are really unsure about how to feel about the breach. Yep. You know, and um and people get defensive. I didn't do anything. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I was just talking to somebody online because you weren't around. Right. And so in order to avoid that, a little consideration, a little time, probably every day yeah. where you're talking about something other than getting the chart out and saying, you know, like, okay, so what time can you make the trampoline thing? And what yeah. time can you make the baseball thing? And there's an award ceremony and right. about homework. Who's going to watch that? You yeah, know? totally. Yeah. yeah. Now, when your son was younger, did you and Julie take vacations without him ever? Oh, yeah. You did? Yeah. It was... Um, it was hard because we yeah. would have to find somebody we trusted to leave him with. And that's a whole different story about yeah. whether we trusted. Right. Um, but we <laughs> <laughs> trust enough. <laughs> right, right. Trust enough. But we did we we made a priority to date. And so yeah. all all along, um, even though we're crazy about our kid, we're ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you know, I really ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he's twenty three now and he's moving out in a couple of weeks, and we're kinda like, okay. Let's drink it all in. Yeah. Let's not miss anything. You know what I mean? Let's watch him watch the Cubs. You know, like we'll stand over here and watch him watch the Cubs and like just take Aww. constant snapshots. Um, You're breaking the camcorder out again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're we're ridiculous. But we also have a life outside of that, you yeah. know? And so one cool thing that's happening, and maybe this is a little 
um, a little nudge toward uh, the parents who are worried that they're missing parenting is – so my son is now 23 years old. He's got a, a girlfriend who he's been dating for about a year and a half. And every once in a while, George will text us and say, hey, we're going to the House of Blues um, to see Julia Michaels and Josie Dunn. You guys want to meet us down there? Aww. So there is this kind of like, oh, now we're now we're double dating. Like yeah. suddenly this is awesome. Like this is okay, – we awesome. didn't anticipate that. Yeah. But that's kind of a nice byproduct where it's kind of like, oh – he sees us as a couple. We see them as a couple, you yeah. know, and we're like, we can hang out together. And um, and that's a great joy for us. And something, if we had thought about it, I think we might have anticipated it. Yeah. But, you know, that it's happening and, you know, it's not even our initiative. It hasn't been yet. Yep. And um, so that's, that's kind of a fun little byproduct. You know, if you want to be seen as a couple by your kids, you'll know that's happened if they say, "Hey, let's all hang out," you know I what I mean? love that. Yeah, yeah, but you got to act like a couple. You got to act like a couple while they're paying attention. Yeah, right. yeah. Even, even if it's kind of gaggy, even if it's yeah. kind of, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> even if it's kind of, kind of, you know, um, like a, a, a little much at times. Right. My my uh, my in laws are coming in this weekend. Julie has an art show in Lagrange. She's an amazing artist. I've seen some of her work have, on Facebook she great. on your Facebook. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and so. Her parents are coming in, and um, and her mom and dad have always made their relationship a priority. They've always seemed like a couple, and I'm grateful to them. So yeah. kind of thinking back a year because that that is a model that Julie carried into our relationship. Yep. And I kind of had to learn a little bit about being a couple from her because yeah. my parents were Rob and Laura Petrie. I mean, literally separate beds. Wow. Roughly the same room. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, might as well not have been. But I don't think I ever saw a point of physical contact between mm-hmm. them. I There were no in-jokes between them. So my dad would play off of one of us. And yeah. my mom kind of bore this responsibility for all of us. Yeah. Whereas my in-laws seem to have found some balance that carried their relationship. They're in their mid-80s. And you sense that those kids are still crazy about each other. Yeah. Like, no, if you if you stop paying attention to them and turn around, they're dancing. Oh, I love that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. So you know Michelle Eichert, who we both love. Oh, God, Author yeah. and middle school educator. So she um, told me once that her husband calls her um, my girlfriend to his kids. Like if they're talking and the ki- and one of the kids, you know, needs something, he says, hang on, I'm talking to my girlfriend. Um, I love yeah, that. Isn't that cute? Yes, that is outstanding. And that's tiny. Like that takes no time. Right. But it's adorable. Super endearing and, and really kind of speaking the kids' language a lot. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of hold on. Hold you know, on. Like, this this matters too. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You guys don't necessarily get to interrupt a conversation. I mean, if one of you is on fire. Right. But, you know. Firing that, I'm talking to my right. girlfriend. Here. I need more water. No, I'm talking to my girlfriend. <laughs> you know, I love that. That is outstanding. Yeah. Oh, kudos to the Eikerts. Yeah. Yeah, that's I know. great. And they also seem like ridiculously, adorably happy. As far as as one can tell from where we are, yes, I think that's right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've had coffee with her a couple times, and I think they have a genuinely delightful marriage. But But the theme here isn't isn't vague, right? It's kind of like, um, to your point about the piece you read from the Time Magazine writer, um, yeah, we it doesn't take much. It doesn't take this grand gesture changing your entire life right. in order to nurture a marriage. You know yep. what I mean? It just takes a little watering, right? You know, not it's not arduous, and it usually feels better. Yeah. Almost always feels better. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take a ton, and it also 
can't live with nothing. Nope. Right? Nope. I don't think you can press pause. And, and she's saying, statistically, the findings are that you, you know, you really can't press yeah. pause and pick it back up 20 years later. I, I believe you really can't. And I'm working with a lot of people who try. Um, and the argument is, well, we're getting along okay. Um, it's not like this deep connective thing, but we'll get to that. Um, but that feels kind of heartbreaking because if you think about like, you know, let's say a marriage on, on a good uh, end last 50 years of your life and you're taking 20, 25, half of it mm-hmm. away to mm-hmm. say, you know, like, okay, well, we're going to do this other thing now only. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of heartbreaking. Right. Yeah. It's not why we get into this thing. That's right. Right. Yeah. And she makes that point too. Yeah. And, and to her point about small things, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I can imagine that couples in your office, and I've been in couples counseling, um, it, it it can feel when you're in that office and when you're having those conversations, either with a therapist or just with your partner, it can feel like this is huge. Like, maybe I'll just leave it the way it is because yeah. it's so huge to make it something different. And I love her point that it doesn't actually have to be huge changes. It Not can really be huge. pretty small ones. Even if the gap is huge. Small changes can breach the gap. Yeah. And that's, I think, an important piece of this whole thing that we need to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think so, too. So, yeah, if you're if you're married out there, keep that in mind. Like, you know, and a little thank you and a little moment of consideration and eye contact. You yeah. Know, like, I, I know way too many couples who never look each other in the eye. They yep. forget what they look like, you yeah. know. Um, Julie and I joke around. Um, I was at the Zen Parenting Conference, uh, and this couple was saying how disconnected they were. And I said, you know what you guys should do? Ma- make a podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> you'll look at each other. Yeah. You'll actually consider each other. It'll be a good thing. You yeah. Know? Like, but sit across from each other and have dinner. Talk about date. Go right. on a date and talk about what you would have talked about 20 years ago right. or 10 years ago. Without a TV and yeah, the game yeah, yeah. in the background. Yeah. Away from home probably is the best way. Yeah. Yeah. I also keep going back to that analogy of the one of you robbing the bank and the other one driving the getaway car because I do, I mean, it's silly, but I do, I think it frames it in a way that like, no, this is our thing yeah. together. Yes. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this thing and I'm dragging you along on, you're not doing this and you're dragging me. Like we are in this together, win or lose. And only the two of us can do this this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like kind of like, you know, like you're driving the getaway car. There's something about really being cahoots that far right. with one another. In cahoots, yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. And I like the kind of like the, <laughs> you, you know, the, the you're doing it wrong element of robbing the bank. And yet yeah. the, the, somehow the, <laughs> the, 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 the metaphor feels super joyful and exciting. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that too. Yeah. No, just trusting each other, right? Like you're kind of putting your fate in the other person's hand when you marry life. them yeah. and when you raise kids with them. And, um, you know, that can be frightening and it can also be really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And if it was something, there's a reason we get into these things. If it's something that you feel like still has legs and typically when I work with clients, I ask them early on, like, does anybody have a foot out the door? Mm. If nobody has a foot out the door, then let's make this a better thing. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, let's not make this a thing where you are suffering it because, eh, this is what you do. You hang in. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, like, you don't want to hang in for no. something. You don't want to settle for something for a lifetime. Right. For the sake of the kids or right. appearances or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's yeah. a good first question. Uh, yeah. So I think we've I think we've covered that pretty nicely, right? I think we did. Yeah. We it was kind of a seamless transition from sex strike to a parenting 
right scientific parenting and, and or maybe, marriage maybe, not parenting marriage right book. and maybe yeah. the part of the point is a sex strike in marriage alone might not be a useful yeah, thing either like on a micro scale strange bedfellows <laughs> <laughs> or out of the bed right. fellows <laughs> uh, but yeah good okay okay so this is on purpose we will talk to you guys in a week yeah see you in right. a week All right.